Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your kayak fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Adam Tiffin. A nightmare before Christmas followed by a Boxing Day stalemate sees United drop to the bottom of League One. But with January just around the corner, a positive time's ahead. We review the Cheltenham and Fleetwood games before looking ahead to the next two fixtures against Wigan and Port Vale. Yeah, there wasn't any early Christmas presents against Cheltenham, was there, Adam? I think it's fair to say. No, not at all. I'm very happy that I wasn't there for the game and I just had to watch the reaction on, on Twitter. It was uh, poor to say the least. Um yeah, it, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. Really, it just it's one of those ones after after such a improved performance against Northampton to put in a performance like that against a team that's around you in the table as well. Exactly, it's, it's, it's painful, isn't it? That's, that's the problem. It's the it's the same thing that's been happening all year. We've been playing the teams in and around us and have just been awful for the most part. And then we'll play likes of Wigan tomorrow, and well, when people listen to this, probably today. Um, and we might actually turn up, and it's just so frustrating. But I mean, if we turn up tomorrow, then it'll be uh, it'll make things better. But it's just been so demoralising these last like couple of weeks. I, I think the fact that January is getting so tantalisingly close as well is really getting people sort of excited about it. Thought sort of like nervous in the sense that we need to start getting a few points just to get ourselves or keep ourselves in touch as much as anything, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's just uh, you don't want to. I know. James Phillips and that always keeps saying about you know keeping in touch and things. I think it's five points now the gap to yeah uh, the top or not the top but the uh, outside of the relegation zone. So it's not. Luckily, we have games still against likes of Exeter where we can claw back points. But really, the games to do that have just gone, and we didn't make much of it. No, absolutely. Um, right, well, this is going to be a slightly different episode to the normal ones. We're not going to be going into as much depth, I think, on the games. It's fair to say. I've got a little bit of a cold that I've picked up over the winter period. I think a lot of the fans I was speaking to at the game had a cold as well, so uh, no surprise there. So we're just going to do that, sort of a joint review of the Cheltenham and um, Fleetwood games. Then we'll obviously have the chat with uh, Barry from the Wigan podcast, who's gone again. Uh, we haven't had, got anyone from the Port Vale podcast. We haven't been able to get hold of anyone for that. And then uh, me and Adam will uh, just do a quick preview of the uh, Wigan and Port Vale games as well. Uh, firstly, before we get on to talk, talking about the uh, Cheltenham game. I know we can put off as long as we can. Um, just to remind everyone that our sponsors this season are the Kai Knight Sports Club London Branch. London Branch uh, do some fantastic stuff for the club in terms of fundraising. They also do some great stuff for away fans, uh, exiles who want to get to games in terms of getting tickets sorted for the bigger games and also uh, arranging travel and sorting out pubs to, to go to on the on the away days. Um, and you can join them wherever you live in the world. If you live in Jacksonville, Jaguars, uh, Jacksonville, sorry, Florida, as I keep saying, um, you can you can sign up there. You can sign up if you lived in Fleetwood or Cheltenham or Port Vale or, or Port Vale's not places it Stoke or Wigan, basically any of those places you could sign up for them. Um, if you want to find out about them, go to their website carlislelondonbranch.org or grab one of the guys at one of the away games coming up. Uh, I think they said the recommended pub for. Um, Wigan is going to be, I think it's the Marquee Bar or something at the ground, I think. I'm not sure. I I was supposed to be going with two mates, but they've bailed last minute. Jack and Mitch, if you're listening, (laughs) poor, very poor. poor. Um, But 
yeah, there's a lot of people going. The good thing is they've, uh, I think it was the Flags for United account has uh, sort of earmarked a, a spot yes. in the yeah. away end for the people who want to be a bit more noisy. Definitely, that would be that should be really really good. Um, right, uh, let, let's put it off long enough, unfortunately, but. Let's start talking about the Cheltenham and Fleetwood games. First up, the Cheltenham game, Adam. Uh, as you mentioned there, I think you said you weren't there, didn't you? But um, Thankfully. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, the team that was picked, I think, was pretty much the same one, wasn't it, that, that, that had played so well against um, against Northampton in the previous game. Mm-hmm. <sighs> to then not turn up like that is just... It's that lack of consistency this season that's going to kill us, isn't it, I think, at the moment. Yeah, and it's uh, and I think the the game will come on to obviously with uh, the Fleetwood game was a a big statement as to sort of I won't say the lack of depth, but the lack of obvious depth because yeah. there was a lot of big changes made that you know had we have been talking about those games at the start of the season we wouldn't have seen coming. Um, so I think it shows the the quality and the improvements needed in the squad, uh, but also just how ruthless we're going to have to be with selection. We can't afford to keep picking players who are sort of down on the luck or not putting in the effort, not putting mm. or not uh, creating the performances that are needed. So, uh, yeah, it's it's all a bit morbid at the moment. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the chances... In, in terms of the chances we created in the game, the, the only real clear-cut one, to be honest, was... Mellish's chance that was disallowed the the goal. Now it looks like it was the right decision. Having looked back at the uh, the replays on the highlights, mm-hmm. I've heard a few people say that maybe he could have left it to go in. But I think actually with the spin on the ball, it might not have gone in anyway. To be honest, it was a kind of a weird one. But we also don't yeah. want to take that risk as a player. You don't yeah. want to watch it go past and think, "Oh, I could have." Um, unless it's obvious that it's going in, and it's, you don't want to be like. Um, it was it was it Nani when Ronaldo scored some wonder goal chipped it over the keeper and Nani just dinked it in the back post. You yeah. don't want to be that guy to deny it if uh, if it goes wrong. So yeah, the fact that our only chances came from the two centre back or chance came from the two centre backs is just so poor. Yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, creatively going forward, we didn't we really didn't offer much at all. To be honest, it was frustrating. And uh, we've got to talk about the the Cheltenham goal then, haven't we? Because um, being brutally honest, it was two poor teams. One of them was a lot better organised and a bit more up for the fight than the other, and, and they got the three points. And you, you've seen it back on the thing. I saw it in real time. I really do feel for Thomas for this because he's not gone out there to de- deliberately play like that or deliberately make that mistake. There's just a complete lack of confidence for him there, and the fact that he hasn't really had anyone pushing him for a place because Simmer as well come on to it up until the Fleetwood game wasn't convinced by Breeze. Mm. Um, it, I want to say he's got complacent because I think that's probably a bit harsh. I, I do think there's a case of his confidence has been hit. It, it's just an aberration, isn't it? That, that goal, it's just, there's nothing really much more you can say about it. Well, is it an aberration? Because I think we were trying to, I was trying to work out with my dad and including that game, obviously not Fleetwood because he didn't play. But I think he'd made three pretty bad errors, maybe even four in the as many games prior. Because Fleetwood, not Fleetwood, sorry, uh, Cheltenham, uh, Blackpool, and uh, Northampton mm-hmm. all made errors in which led to goals. Um, and we can't be dealing with that at this 
position that we're in where we're going to be fighting for relegation or no. to avoid it. So I think it is a lack of confidence because it's a classic sign of a keeper who's not quite sure of himself because he's, he's double guessing, not second guessing, sorry, not double guessing. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I wonder what people's reactions were in real time. And then if it was almost the sense of, oh my God, how have you done that has got worse since seeing all the replays? Did it seem just that bad in person? I think in person, I, I think, yeah, it felt just as bad. I, there, was, there was a there was a sudden intake of breath and, oh no. And as soon as the player played it across goal, you could see that Melich wasn't going to be able to get back in time to to stop the lad tapping into the empty net. And it's, you just look at it and you think this all, if you're going to try and do that, if you're going to slide in to try and keep the ball in play when it's going off for a corner there, you've got to do it so that if you don't get the ball, you push it out for the corner. Mm. You, you almost dive with the ball as it's going out, but he was sort of diving behind it. And if there's no attacker there, that's fine to do that. But you almost wonder if he didn't realise the attacker was that close, but actually look at the highlight, he must have known he was there. So it's it, it's a it's a really bizarre one. I just... I just can't comprehend it. It's one of those ones where even like Thomas afterwards, you know, some you know goalkeepers will always argue their case, and you can even see him like, ah, oh, no, no, I, I've I've cocked up here. My problem with it is, is the fact that if a shot has come at him and he's parried it and it's come out, at least it's come with some pace. There's there's no pace on the yeah. ball as it's going out, so I I don't actually understand how a professional goalkeeper has managed to push it back up because it's not like he's trying to he's not reaching to claim it it's pretty much at his chest so he can just sort of let it run into his uh hands and sort of cushion it if needs be but he just sort of i don't know if he's tried to actually grab it and it's just slipped out of the hands or it's it's unexplainable as much as we talk about it and try and think about why it happened we can't justify it what what's your thoughts on simo's comments after the game and the way he's handled the holy situation generally because I went on BBC Radio Cumbria on the uh, the post match and, and spoke with um, Paul, James, and Chris about it. And my feeling is, I still don't, I still can't grasp why he was dropped earlier in the season because he wasn't playing that badly when he was dropped. I think Simo was very keen to get Anderson in. Anderson didn't work, and to be fair, we all thought he was going to be a really good keeper based on his previous loan spells, but it didn't work. Thomas comes back in and actually does really well initially. Once Anderson got injured. It seems they've almost gone out the window, and he just his form's just dropped off a cliff, and it's a strange one. But I, I kind of feel like I know it's different because Hurley's what 31, 32, whatever he is. I can't remember exactly how old. But you've got some of our fans giving him sarcastic cheers when he catches the ball after he's made the mistake, which I, 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 I don't get that. It's just stupid, that really. It's one of your own plays, and you know he's got to play the rest of the 90 minutes pretty much. And yet, when with the same thing happens with Port Luke with Luke Plant, which again was wrong. Simmer's very quick to defend the lad, even though, you know, there's many of, uh, there who would argue he wasn't putting the effort in. And yet, Holy makes, you know, yes, he's made a few mistakes, admittedly. But anyway, I, I'm rambling on a little bit, but just what's your no, I get what you mean. I've, I think it's favouritism. I mm. think that's, it, and it happens all the time. It's natural for managers to prefer certain players. And yeah. the fact that the issue of a goalkeeper, I mean, Bringing in a backup was always going to be needed uh, after Mick Kelly left in the summer. But the fact that in the summer, after we just got promoted with Holy, he was still talking about potentially bringing in somebody to challenge or displace him was sort of a marker to me that he didn't see Holy as the goalkeeper going forward. And immediately that's going to sort of uh, put tension on that relationship. 
And like you said, when he came back in, he had a point to prove because if not, they'd just bring Anderson back in. But since the injury, he's not been up to standard. Um, is it a case of he's got injured and he's thinking, oh, there's no... Well, he, he can't be thinking that anymore if that is the case, yeah. that there's competition or or he thought there wasn't any competition. But yeah, I, I think it's just favouritism where he's prefers Plange, he likes Plange, he likes what he offers yeah. and obviously doesn't necessarily think the same about Holy. So yeah. it's going to give preferential twi- uh, treatment to yeah. one rather than the other. Yeah, no, I, I think you, you, you're probably there on, on, on the point there. I, I think another point to pick out from this game is that the conditions were appalling. Like, so, so bad. I mean, the, the wind was ridiculous. I mean, it wasn't quite... It was similar-ish to the Blackpool game, funny enough, where he obviously made a mistake on a cross there as well. Yeah. I don't think the wind's to blame for the mistake he made, no, I should say that. But generally, Cheltenham adapted to the conditions. They were kicking um, with the wind behind them in the first half. They really adapted to it. We just didn't. I think Holy kicking actually wasn't too bad. He, he, he put a few of them a little bit high that caught the wind, but generally, his, his kicking was good. So... It was just the, the general play. We, so often we were playing long balls and the ball was catching in the air. Mm-hmm. And I think grass, grass, and the second half, we did not make the most of that at all. I don't think it's fair to say. Yeah, I think especially in games like that are ones where if you may be playing against a team like, uh, I don't know, maybe a Peterborough, who are more total football style, want to play the uh, ball along the floor. It's probably yeah. an environment that suits us, but because it was two bad teams fighting near the bottom, it just comes down at the end to effort. And by all accounts, it was a massive discrepancy. So that's probably the ultimate decider. It didn't sound like either side had much quality. I don't I check the shots on target and things like that, but I think there were very, very little uh, for both, either side. Both teams had two shots on yeah, target. Yeah, two shots on target, eight for Cheltenham, uh, total shots and 10 for Carlisle. Uh, yeah, not much in the way of of big chances. Although it does say on Sofa Score that there was a big chance for Maguire. I don't know if that's. Um, um, I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I can't think of a big chance that Maguire had. Um, I can remember Jordan Gibson having one saved just before the half time. But a lot of people yeah. said that Gibson wasn't particularly not not at it. But he, I think, when he's not playing well you can then see it in his body language. Like when he's up yeah. for it and he's playing well, he's he's about and he's really putting in a shift. But I think when conditions and his form is down, you can tell. Uh, and that yeah. was something that I think was levelled at him in both games over the past week. Well, the Fleetwood game definitely was mentioned after that, absolutely. Um, Edmo did quite well again after coming on, to be fair. And, and actually, I have to say, Moxon struggled a bit. He didn't he, he didn't get up to the pace of the game at all, whereas actually Charters, when he came on, a couple of overhit passes, but generally looked tidy on the ball. And it was a good good sign, obviously, looking ahead to the Fleetwood game uh, on Boxing Day. And um, and yeah, it's just one of those ones now when you look back, you think to so yourself, you, you've just got to, we just got to put it out of our mind now. We know that these new players are coming in in, in January. We've just got to try and get through these next two games, which we'll talk about later, and and, and get ourselves the new players integrated as much as possible. Luke Armstrong was out the game. I do wonder if there was part of him looking and thinking, "What have I done here?" <laughs> as he watched it. But no, with any luck, no, there's no. You can't be a professional footballer and have that mentality. But I think him and also one that's slightly going under the radar is the fact that um, JJ Coyote is going to be yeah. back within the. I think he said. Someone said maybe well, the first, if not Exeter. Yeah, it's one of those two, isn't it? I think they're going to be guided by what the um, 
I mean, what a change in strike partnership that's going to be going from Edmondson slash Maguire or Plunge slash Garner to potentially Armstrong and Coyote if I mean, the two were to play together. I mean, you could play three of Coyote on the left, Armstrong down the middle and Gibson on the right. Yeah, and Coyote played on the left a lot for us, to be fair. And that, yeah. that also gives him the option to do those long throws as well, you know, from set pieces. So you never know. Um, well, let's move on from that. Let's move on to the, uh, a slightly more pleasing game. Uh, the Fleetwood match, 1-1 uh, draw. Um, did you go to this one, Adam? I didn't, but I was watching on iFollow. Uh, I was somewhat tempted to make the Boxing Day trip, but I, there wasn't enough uh, interest from other people that I knew to justify going, um, and I wasn't going to go to Fleetwood on my own. <laughs> no, I, I, I can understand that. Um, team selection-wise, a few changes for this one. Um, outcoming, I, mean, I suppose this, maybe the slight surprise one, Joe Garner coming out of the style 11, although maybe not so much a surprise to us um, because mm. we kind of sort of thought he needed a bit of a rest at the moment. Um, you two other wingers dropping out in uh, Gibson and um, uh, Plange for Charters and Maguire. Um, Moxon coming in for McGeek. And I've been putting this off, obviously, haven't I? The big one. Thomas Hurley dropped for Gabe Breeze. And- Feel the breeze. The, I was shocked. I, I was so I, shocked. I'd I'd heard it before the game. I'd heard it. Someone had, had mentioned it. I've heard from someone that he might not have actually... I can't remember if this was said somewhere, but someone had mentioned to me that he didn't know till one o'clock that he was going to play. Uh, I'd sure, be amazed. No, apparently, apparently what the, he deliberately wasn't told until quite late just to make sure he wasn't... Thinking about it overnight is the what rumor I've heard. So. Well, I can understand that, but surely that's. I'd imagine most teams do a, a a meeting in the day before to go through the the team and not on the day. Um, mm. So unless they've done the meeting, they've said Thomas is starting, and then Simo's just said, "Oh, I've had a change of change of plan." Gabe, you're in. Um, but I, I can understand the logic if that did happen. Yeah, yeah, there's, that, that's just the rumour that was going around. Um, so, yeah, obviously, Breeze coming in, what were your thoughts on that one? Because, I mean, I, there was an interesting discussion after the Cheltenham game uh, on the radio when I sort of mentioned, you know, because I think James almost put the idea into Simo's head, like, well, have you got to the point now where you potentially have to give Gabe Breeze a game? And Simo was sort of more, you could almost see a, I'm not saying a light bulb over his head, but I think he'd obviously been mulling it. And he, he thought, well, this gave me an opportunity to say, well, maybe I'll have to, I'll have to wait mm-hmm. and see. Um, yeah, what were your thoughts when you actually heard he was in there? Yeah, I was very surprised because I'd, I'd seen all the um, people saying on Twitter about it, but I just thought for a game like that where it's away on Boxing Day and they were saying, you know, he's he's been away from his family on on Christmas or Christmas uh, or Boxing Day. Um, mm. I, just, I couldn't actually compute the fact that he might start because it's his first game it's not even like he's yeah. played Papa John's trophy games no, or anything exactly. like that. it's his first game it's his first minutes for the club that he's oh. not even come on for a 45 in um you know it, like I said in the Papa John's trophy or anything like that so I, I, I could understand that it could happen but I just didn't think he'd actually do it um, mm. I was sort of pleasantly surprised, not just by that, but just by the general overhaul of the team. The fact that mm-hmm. almost half the team um, got changed, and I think it needed to happen based off of the performance they'd been putting against Cheltenham. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at actually. He changed. Well, he changed five players. Five yeah, didn't players. He? Yeah. So yeah, that it just goes to show, doesn't it? Um, 
Yeah, I, I was very shocked that the Priest died, to be honest. I, I, I wasn't convinced he would go through. I thought he might give Holy one more game. But I almost think, actually, if Holy then had a stinker in this one, you'd then have to put Breeze in at Wigan in front of a big yeah. crowd. So you at least get him in in a, in a game like this a little bit. Shouldn't be quite as challenging. Um, Got to say, just talking about his performance overall, Breeze, pretty solid. Yeah, He wasn't really tested, if I'm honest. You know, there yeah. wasn't a huge amount of tests. There was one... One high ball he came for, I didn't quite get to, but any keeper can do that. You know, not every keeper is going to claim every single ball, so you've got to be fair on that. Yeah. But generally, he, he was quite alert at coming for the ball and, he, and he'd come out for stuff. So I, I don't have any qualms about him starting at Wigan and obviously against um, Port Vale, but I would very much like to see us get another goalkeeper. What I think would be the ideal situation is that he plays these next few games. And I know they were talking in the summer about trying to get him out on loan, but they couldn't find the right club. Mm. So if he puts in a few, as long as they're not horrible performances, there will be clubs who were maybe got a, I know Marine recently had uh, their goalkeeper got a really bad injury. I think he's he's tore his pectoral muscle. Uh, So that's getting an emergency goalkeeper. That's sort of thing that, if he's got actual experience now and people can say, oh, look, he's actually been playing all right, then that should be uh, the ideal scenario for Carl to get in a goalkeeper and then have Breeze yeah. go out on loan. Um, but yeah, on his performance, I don't think, like you said, he had much to do. The two uh, moments that sort of uner- unnerved me a bit was the heart. I don't know if it was the one we all talking about where he's come for it and it's uh, the lad's headed it and it's gone wide or yeah. the one where it was sort of high in the box, armors shielding just to make sure nobody comes to the ball, and he just sort of lets it drop and bounce and then collects it. Yeah. Those were the only I moments we, where I was like, I can tell it's your first time playing. Yeah. But it's to be it expected. The, yeah, it was the first one. It was very much the first one that I've been yeah. The second one, I sort of grasped it. He didn't want to take any risks with the ball and, and coming to get it and spilling it so I have no problem with that one as much but he generally in terms of coming out for the ball he was pretty good his kicking was all pretty solid you know he, his kicking is not as big as Thomas's you know we, no. we know that and that, you know not many keepers are um but yeah he's generally he, he was pretty good in the way he marshaled so he didn't have any chance with the goal so yeah you know, can't really grumble too much about that performance overall from the team um I mean a hundred times better than against Chelsea, wasn't it it just that night and day, you know, in terms of the effort. And we'll, we'll talk about what happened with the subs in the last 20 minutes shortly. But generally, mm-hmm. the first 70 minutes, I thought we were probably shaded as the better team, actually. Yeah, I don't I don't think there was much in the way of quality produced from either side, to be honest. I mean, obviously, the our goal and their goal had a bit of quality, but there wasn't... Um, I don't think either keeper was really tested too much. In the in the game, apart from obviously the goals that went in, but I don't think they had much of a, a chance with either of them. Um, but like, yeah, much better because there was some effort, there was something to to hold on to. There was, I think, the first 10, 15 minutes after the first half were really promising. The annoying thing from that is that we couldn't hold on to that momentum, and then Fleetwood really took hold of the game, and we were really on the back foot. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't take much to. Im- prove on that Cheltenham game but it was certainly that hell of a goal for Moxon though wasn't it what a finish I mean we we were right in line with it obviously behind the opposite goal but as soon as it left his foot you thought if this is on target keeper's going to struggle it because it's through a bit of a crowd of players and he's not the biggest keeper anyway Lynch but no brilliant goal he's got that ability to just hit a ball as cleanly as anybody and it, it's really well hit um like you said because of the crowd in front of the keeper I didn't think he'd 
have much of a chance or I wouldn't necessarily blame him for it going in. Um, one thing I did find interesting, though, was his reaction after scoring was a, a bit subdued. And considering it, was, it wasn't it was like a consolation goal, it was a goal to put us ahead and it was the first time uh, we'd led since we since Luke Plange scored at Lincoln. Um, mm. Well, not led, but uh, gone ahead in the game. Um gone 1-0 up. So I thought his reaction to the goal was a bit subdued. That's probably just people and me reading into it a little bit. I don't think it's anything yeah. to worry about. Um, but I think it was surprising if you if you scored a goal like that and you haven't scored for a while, yeah. I thought there maybe be a, a little bit more of a reaction. Yeah, I, I think we're always in a danger of overanalyzing stuff like of that. Of course. We always look think, at these things and wonder. For... Yeah, I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with nah. the, the situation that's going on around him. I think it's, it could also just be just a, a relief of having scored and he's just gone off yeah. finally. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's too much to read into it, but I just thought it was interesting where, that um, he wasn't as sort of emotive as he as he usually is when he finds the back of the net. No, I, I, that's a fair point. Um yeah, I, I just think like I think it was a case of a letting out a bit of frustration as much as anything, and you know, just like what was the cockiness and arrogance about it? You know, sometimes you get those sort of celebrations yeah. where I'm not going to even celebrate sort of thing. Yeah. But and but it's it was, away from home as well. I think players, tend, yeah. especially in these leagues, tend to celebrate a bit less when they're away from home. If it maybe been at the other end of the pitch, where at the end we were st- mm. sat out or stood out, yeah, he may well have celebrated a bit more. Um, yeah, we were pretty comfortable at that point. Playing some nice stuff, causing a few problems, not not too many, but enough. And then, um, yeah, just the frustration of the. I don't think it was even a sloppy bit of defensive play or anything. I mean, it was just a, a fairly decent move. I think there was Fleetwood. a bit of it, to be honest. In, in my opinion, at least, I think you, you've had more review than us because we're behind the goals. Mm. So, from the camera view, the ball obviously goes out to the lad on the left wing. Who then yeah. plays it inside to? Um, I think it was the number seven. I don't know if it was the number seven. Is it uh, Patterson? Is it? I think. Oh, I can't. Even, it might have been him. Um, I might just yeah. be getting the numbers confused. Um, who then plays it across to Stockley, who finishes? Um, and when the car are in the defensive shape, Patterson plays it to the winger from the centre midfield, and then makes a run into the box. And Moxon, that was Moxon's man. But ah, Mox right. sort of follows the ball out to where Emmanuel is to make it a 2v1. And then that yeah. pass is played through and he's got the space. To, Mox recovers a bit, but he can't recover enough to get in front of him to make a, a challenge. Because if he'd have made a challenge, he would have fouled him. Um, so I think he's just a, a lack of concentration in that moment led to that goal for me. I know some people think it was Maguire's fault for not tracking back. It's what I was going back and forth with someone on uh, on Twitter about. But I think Mox is just... It's, it's sloppy, but it's not something that it's not like Holy's thing where you go, that's unexcusable. Yeah. It's just a moment it's not a of, barrier, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just a moment of um, ill discipline. It's a split second decision that do I track the man or do I go with the yeah, with the ball? That's kind of thing, and it can happen in games. Um, yeah, as you mentioned there, at that point, Fleetwood did start getting into the game a little bit more, had a couple of corners, but didn't really test Breeze if we're being brutally honest. I think Breeze actually had a save to make on, I think, about it. I don't it, think so. Of, I'll have a look at the game at all. I don't know what the stats actually say on that, but um, um, we only had two shots punch. on targets. So. No, I don't think yeah. it. Uh, it says he made one save from inside the box. Yeah, I don't know what was... that would have been, unless it was I maybe one that's just like a, a a rebound that sort of just fell to him and he ran out and claimed yeah. it. Yeah, I seem to remember there was one of those at least. Anyway, but um, but yeah, um, start of the second half, 
came out quite confident United actually and and Maguire who you know, Maguire was getting a bit of stick from some of the fans around us, which I thought was a little bit harsh. I don't think he was at his best, but I don't think he... I think sometimes people expect a bit too much of it. I don't, he's not a winger, to be honest. I think, I think no. he much works better as a, one of the front two than he does on the wing. He's doing a job for us right there at, at this moment. But he did some really good work to to win the ball um, on the right-hand side, get into the box and cut it back to Edmondson. And it, he's just so unlucky that Lynch just catches it with his foot, doesn't he? As well. A yard the other side and it's a goal, isn't it? Well, as soon as I saw it, I thought Maguire's done well to get to that position to pull it back, but he's under hit the pass. It sort of rolls to Edmonton yeah. a bit, um, and it gives the time for defenders to get back across. I don't think it's a particularly great uh, shot from from Edmo, but mm. yeah, at the time I thought if he just fizzes it in a bit, Edmonton just needs to make a good contact. He doesn't need to put any power behind it. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's it's one way you could look back at it and say if he fizzed it in, he wouldn't have had time to react and get a good shot off. So, yeah, you could look at it from either angle. But, um, yeah, Maguire, I think a lot of people are sort of starting to get a bit tired of Maguire because maybe they're expecting a lot from him at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, people questioning his work rate and things like that. I mean, look, the team's not performing well. And I think mm. once better players come in, you should start to see better performances from him because he seems like somebody yeah. who needs somebody to, to bounce off. He's not going to be able to do it all on his yeah. own. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he'll be quite a good link player. I think he, you'll probably see better things from him in the second half season. Presumably, obviously, he's going to be staying that long. Um, other big chance came from a, a bizarre bit of play from their goalkeeper. I'm not 100% saying what he was trying to do here. So he basically started to dribble across the box and we were sort of like thinking, is he like being that casual with this? And then Edmondson knowing that well, obviously we knew he had, he's got a lot of pace about him, just nipped in and took the ball off him. And I've heard a few people say, oh, it's a, it's a bad miss from Edmonton. It's an empty goal. I don't think it's that easy of a chance. He's got to get the ball and turn on it very quickly and then try and dink it over the keeper. I know he's, he's not the biggest keeper in the world, but it wasn't exactly as if the goal was completely gaping for him, was it? There's still a lot no. to do from there. It's not like he's nicked it off the keeper and um, yeah. he's just got to put it into an empty net, like you said. But I do think he should, he should put that on target. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like he's, um, you know, it's not like there's a, a defenders around him. He could have, if he wanted to, took a little bit more time to to take his shot. But I, I do think he's got to put that on target. Um, if you're a striker in, in this league, I'd expect them all to to put that yeah. on target, especially if it was if it was on the other end and our keeper did that and the striker yeah. missed. You go, we've got away with that one. But yeah, and, no, yeah I don't know true. what the keeper was doing because he he took a touch as if he was gonna. He sort of got out of his feet as if he was gonna hit it long, but then took the same touch again yeah. to put it into Edmondson's path. But I think to be fair to him, he was quite smart because I thought he was going to try and follow Edmondson out and try and sort of smother him a bit. But he just yeah. thought, sack this. I'm just going back to my net. Um, yeah which maybe rushed uh, Edmondson's decision a little bit. But yeah, yeah, I think that, and I don't know if you had it nowhere down to talk about it. There's a chance for Jordan Gibson a bit later on, which I think were the yeah. bigger ones. Yeah, the Gibson one was, it's probably the one good moment Gibson had after coming on. He, he struggled to get into the game a bit, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but he got away down down the right and was in on goal. And I don't think there's a huge, we were right behind where it was and there wasn't a massive amount more he could have done really. He got the ball a little bit stuck in his feet and hits the target and the keeper makes a fairly decent save in the end. So yeah, it's a frustrating one. Mo, I think if you go back a couple of months, he probably scores that one, but he's just, I think know, the for, whole team's looking a bit rusty. From my angle, it just looked like he just hit it straight at his 
straight down the uh, straight down the barrel. I don't think the mm. keeper really had to to move much. Um, I, I thought it was just because, and again, maybe this is me taking into account how good Gibson's been, but I expected him to do better in that situation just because of the quality he does have. Even if he'd have put it wide at the far post, I just think he's, now you say that he got, from your angle, got caught under his, his foot a little bit. It makes sense because he just didn't hit it that well. Um, no. But I thought he was in a good enough position to be able to get a good contact on it and at least try and fire it at the far post. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't to be. But I mean, he, the subs were game changers and not for the right reason. Yeah, it, it didn't quite work, did it? Um, and and Simmer was honest enough to say this after the game, wasn't he? I think he mm-hmm. said he was really happy with the starters, not particularly happy with the subs. I think we can let Ben Barkley off because he only got what, a minute or so yeah. when he came on at yeah, the very yeah. end. So I don't think he's referring to him. But yeah, Plange and Gibson. Plange was getting a bit of stick around me again. So, and it's frustrating because he just, there's a couple of times where he just, there's a couple of times he did actually chase quite well, but then a couple of other times he sort of just gave up and you think, just put a bit of pressure on you. You've only like you've literally only been on two minutes. You should be lively. You should be chasing every single thing down. As much as anything, actually, the subs. So obviously, the subs were the two wingers came off Charters and Maguire in place of Gibson and Planned, with uh, Gibson going onto the right and Planned going down the middle because Ryan Edmondson moved to the left, mm-hmm. and that actually killed us as much as anything because Edmo was causing was was doing quite well in terms of the way he was putting pressure on the centre backs. They didn't really have time to play the ball as much and. Plans just didn't offer that in the same way. Well, I think also what Edmonton offered was someone who could receive the ball up top and then allow yeah. others yeah. to get up there. Whereas Plange just he just can't keep hold of the ball in those situations as well as Edmonton can. The one thing that has really annoyed me about him since he came is even though he he comes from a Premier League club, he doesn't seem to know how to press intelligently. Because no. what Edmonton will at least do is if the and it also didn't seem like I mean Carl aren't a pressing team, but it didn't seem like there was any sort of trigger for a press because yeah. it'd go across the back line and no matter who it went to, they just sort of vaguely press. Whereas if it was, um, you know, maybe if it was against us, if it goes to Jack Armour, maybe that's the other team's press. As soon as it goes to him, that's when they engage and try and and try and put pressure mm-hmm. on. Whereas we didn't do that, but Edmonton will at least try and block off passing lanes to either side of him, whereas Plans will just run at the ball, but then he's got options either way. So you can't really, like what are you supposed to do with that? It's just it's it's not smart and um and I especially thought when we were really being penned in, I don't know if this was an instruction, but he just seemed to be sat on the halfway line. Whereas yeah. if he could have at least offered another body just to sort of sit in their midfield and make it a little bit less easy for them to move the ball from side to side, it would have made uh, the defence's life a little bit easier. But yeah, it was uh, I think it's one that Simpson will look back on and think that's probably uh, something that probably. he's not going to be happy with. Yeah, I, I, I think he put it up. I think he didn't get it right, to be brutally honest. And uh, look, hindsight is a wonderful thing. If I was going to make the change, I probably would have brought on McGeek instead of um, Plange. Mm. And I'd have pushed Robinson to the left wing and let him do the pressing there because he was actually having a fairly decent game in midfield. He was, you know, he, he was actually the support he was giving down the left. To armor was a was a real actual positive for the game. Mm. To be fair, one thing I think that Robinson helps with is the fact that I think we can all admit that Jack Armour's not the most confident on the ball player. He often he gets it, looks down the line, and if there's someone there to hit, even if it's not a very easy ball, he'll try and hit it. Whereas Robinson, what he did was he drops into that left back position, then it allowed Armour to get further the, yeah. the pitch, and Robinson because he's more confident times. on the on the ball can receive it in there and if he needs to he can go inside and then find a pass yeah. um 
and it also just gets armour into better crossing positions as well. Yeah. But yeah, I thought I, I thought uh, Robinson was good. I thought Taylor Charters personally was my man of the match. I thought he looked really silky on the ball at times. Um, I think that's what he offers. He just him and Mox are both good on the ball, but in very different mm. ways. Charters is, I think, he's more sort of clear minded when under pressure. He's very whereas, technical, isn't he? Yeah, whereas Mox is, is more like he'll do something creative to try and get out of a situation, whereas Charters will just sort of... Uh, I think he's a better assessor of situations than, mm. than Moxon is. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with you. I'd, I'd agree with you on him being man of the match until he came off as well. Yeah, I thought he he used the ball really well. He was um, he was looked look the most likely to create something when we're going forward. And I think actually he helped Moxon that way because Moxon was a bit hit and miss in this game. when he In the moments when he got a grip of the game, he looked like, that's the sort of mocks on we remember, but there was other moments where you're like, oh, he was taking a little bit too long on the ball. Whereas, like I said, with Charters, when he got the ball, he was generally quick to pick out a simple pass and, and keep the ball moving. So it, it's personally at Wigan on, on, we'll talk about that shortly, but for the Wigan game, I'd probably stick with Charters on the, the left at the very least. I'd, yeah. I'd be still be maybe tempted to bring in Gibson for Maguire just to change things up a little bit. But but yeah, I, I, as we've mentioned, obviously Edmonton had a decent game as well. And, even like McCallum was quite busy in midfield compared against some of the recent oh, games. So I, oh, yeah. I got really frustrated with him at some points in the game. My mate Jack, who's the one who uh, won the ones who's bailed on me for for tomorrow. The one thing he really gets aggravated with McCallum about is the fact that because he's often the one who's probably the most advanced midfielder, so he'll yeah. get the ball sort of in between the striker and the right winger, and he'll just stop. Or he'll play a backwards pass when we're yeah. in a, a position to to go at the defence, and it was really frustrating me. Uh, I don't know if anybody else uh, picked it up, but I, I, oh, it was grinding my gears. It, it no, it, it is a fair point. It, it does frustrate me as well. Actually, at times you, you get in those good positions, you think sometimes just dink a ball in the box, just dink a little ball into the box and and, and give it a go. But you, you just all pick out the player on the overlap, but. What I'd say is he did very well, actually, um, on Boxing Day. Was his pressing it was really good, actually. It, it, yeah, he'll always it, offer that energy. Compared against Cheltenham, yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I think we didn't have much else to cover. Really, I think the last 15, 20 minutes we didn't we lost a grip of the game that we had for most of the second half. But actually, even though we lost it, we never really looked like we were going to concede. To be no. honest, I don't think they offered much. And you know, I thought I thought Marriott was quite disappointing for them. I expected a lot more. Stockley was a bit more of a threat than. He has been for them this season, I think. But yeah, well, they yeah. don't look a very impressive side. Although there were some players who who stood out. Um, Wiradu, Wiradu was that. one, and the um, right back uh, Lawal. With the I know, team I know he's a, stood out uh, yeah, for me. I know he's a slightly different player to Guy, but I, if we were looking for someone to fill the gap that's left by Guy, Wiradu might not. It's be a very similar role in terms of yeah. just sort of sitting in front of the defence and being that person who clears up. Uh, any messes that he sees in front of him. So I, yeah. I wouldn't mind that at all. It's just um, how much of a premium a Fleetwood going to put on a player who's potentially wanted by a club who's also <laughs> fighting in a relegation yeah. battle. You know, is yeah. it worth paying, you know, a, a stupid yeah. fee? Um, but for someone who's you potentially know who's going to be ready and suits the league. No, that's true. Um, I'm not going to do a rundown of the league one results because it's over two weekends, so it's going to be too much to cover. But just looking at the league table, as we mentioned there at the start, it does mean we've dropped down to bottom place. And it should be said that both Fleetwood and Cheltenham have got a game in hand on us, mm-hmm. as have Exeter, who are just outside the uh, relegation places. So next couple of games, or next three games, 
are pretty big, aren't they? To be fair, when you look at it, you know, in terms of getting points. Yeah, I can't believe Wigan are still. I know they had the points deduction and quite a yeah. big one, but I can't believe they're still down there. I mean, in fairness to them, if they'd if they didn't have the points deduction, they'd be like ninth. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm still surprised that they're not too far away. I thought they'd well, just continue to pull away, but there's something not quite right. I don't know what it is, well, but there's something not quite right. Well, we'll be hearing very shortly from uh, Barry the Wigan fan, who might explain a little bit that uh, injuries seems to be the main issue, which is you know is a running theme for teams down near the bottom, I think, by the looks of things this season. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up the uh, Cheltenham and Fleetwood games. So we're going to take a short break uh, now, and after the break, I will be speaking to Barry from the Progress with Unity Wigan Athletic podcast about the uh, the game on Friday night. Um, had a nice little uh, walk down memory lane, talking about games in the 90s against them and stuff like that, but uh, also present day stuff. And, you know, I think a lot of our fans maybe will be thinking, oh, Wigan fans will be disappointed with how they're doing this season. Actually, from what Barry's saying, they're, they're, they're fairly happy to at least have a club after what's happened in recent years. So here's the chat I had with uh, Barry just after the break. Hi, I'm Owen Moxon, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. So yes, we're into part two now, and in part two we start off with Behind Enemy Lines, where we are speaking to Barry. He's a Wigan fan from the Progress with Unity podcast, ahead of what is a game I think most Cala fans are really, really looking forward to on um, on Friday night, Barry. I, I, we were talking on, on your pod just before we recorded that. Um, first visit in, I think, 26 years, I think, maybe, possibly. If I remember rightly, yeah. obviously we've never been to the DW, so quite quite an exciting one for Carlisle fans. So I mean, n- normally leave this to the end, but I mean, what what can Carlisle fans expect on their first visit to the DW Stadium? Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully not not a lot. <laughs> is what I'm hoping for. <laughs> not but, not three points you'd be open for at least, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's 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 a big stadium uh, for, for you know League One. Uh, the away end is is unrestricted views. It's a, like a cantilever type stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bar under the concourse. They serve pies, as you'd expect in Wigan. <laughs> uh, uh, and it, it's, yeah, a great view. Uh, it holds comfortably 4,500. So, you know, if you've sold 4,000 tickets, uh, there'll be plenty of room for you. And you can generate a, a good atmosphere from there as well. You'll be on one of the goals. And, yeah. yeah, and it's on a bit of an, an industrial, no, not an like a... It's the back end of an industrial estate, and the front end mm. of it is a, a retail park. So there's a yeah. pub on there, and a McDonald's, and a, a KFC close by. So they've got places to get grab something to eat as well, and a short walk from the town centre. So it takes you about fifteen twenty minutes walking down from the train stations and the pubs in the town centre. So it's very handy uh, for football fans, to be honest. Quite similar to Brunton Park in that sense, isn't it? You know, a nice little walk down from the station. That's what you want. Um, because I think a lot, a lot of our older fans will remember the games against you guys in in the nineties at uh, at Springfield Park, weren't they? I think that it's that 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 was a proper old school football ground. I think it's fair to say. I'm sure I remember some Carlisle fans talking about a time when we played against you guys. It was over winter or something. It was so cold on that grass bank that they actually started a little fire to keep themselves warm at one point. I think so. Uh, so yeah, it, it's very very much. Uh, you know, I think anyone who thinks Barrow wasn't the greatest in terms of uh, facilities uh, last season, probably didn't go to Springfield Park. I think it's fair, <laughs> based on what I remember. Um, right, let's get sort of um, talking about 
Wigan then. And well, first of all, go back to the game in um, in August when we played you guys because a lot of our fans were raving about how good your team was back then. I mean, um, you know, it was the first time you you'd been for a while. I mean, how how did you find it? And you know, it seems weird because we we genuinely thought you guys were going to fly up the table after that game, and it just hasn't quite worked out, has it? No, there's mitigating factors to it. I mean, you mm. know, for a start, we've got a relatively uh, small, inexperienced squad, yeah. if, if you're thinking about challenging for promotion, um, due to the financial restrictions in place. And we still, we're on a transfer embargo, so we can't sign yeah. anyone for any money. And we can't even bring in loan signings for fees. So every, everything that's coming in is free. Uh, probably the, the biggest... Um, uh, mitigating factor would be Matt Smith, who you might remember he was a blonde haired lad playing in midfield. He was him. fantastic. He was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's been out for most of the season since then. <laughs> he's had a, a double hernia. Yeah, a double hernia. Mm. Uh, I think he played about the first eight games when we were on fire. Uh, and it's uh, no coincidence that once he, he, he was out, we lost. Five, uh, we lost four of the next five games and we drew one as well. So we were struggling a little bit to come to terms with him missing. Also, Tello Asgard, he got injured in, in that game against yourselves. He, yeah, he, he injured his shoulder. Yeah, well, he's been out until he made a substitute appearance um, on Boxing Day against Derby County. That's the first time he's been back since he's had a mm-hmm. uh, an operation on on his shoulder. He damaged his shoulder when he fell, and all the docs wanted to take him off, and he 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 went back on and carried on, and he, he fell over on it again, and he damaged it even further. So, yeah, so those two are, are very very much our type of playmakers. So the style changed slightly. Um, Charlie White uh, got a three match suspension. And he's never rediscovered his form when he came back. Well, he didn't get back into the team uh, for about mm. five or six games. He wasn't even making the squad. So we, we've had some issues there as well. Um, so basically, that's where it was. But we did pick up again and we went on a, a great run of just one defeat in 15 until we went to Port Vale, uh, which was the Saturday after the Christmas party on the Wednesday for the lads. They'd been up to Glasgow <laughs> and they looked like they'd only got back on the Friday night, it oh, was dear. awful. <laughs> it was awful, and I mean that. Uh, and that, so that that was um, against Port Vale, and then a week after we went to Reading. I know Reading give you a bit of bit of a tatering, yeah. but we thought we, you know, we'd pick up the game again after after the Port Vale shambles. But we didn't. We, with ten minutes, mm. we looked all right, and then we went back into our shells, and we was quite poor, if I'm being honest. So yeah, but. We, we, since playing you, we brought in a um, a young lad on loan from Fulham called Marshall Goddard. He's a, a striker, come mm-hmm. midfield player, sensational, absolutely sensational. Mm-hmm. So our results picked up again after we lost Matt Smith when we, when Goddard got into the team. But unfortunately, we, we we drew York City in the FA Cup away, and in the we beat them. But in the last minute of the game, the one of the midfield players decided to. Pick God all up and slam into the floor like a wrestling uh, maneuver. Uh, so he's been out since then. So he's not played since the uh, second round of the FA Cup, which was like mid-November. And this, this is where these slumps have come from. So we've not got the biggest squad. So when you take two or three players out, it it does affect uh, you know how you play. It does affect your effectiveness on the pitch as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I, I'm still quite. Um, 
I'm still quite confident that we're going to finish mid mid table. We, we're not geared up for challenging. For, we're yeah. not geared up, sorry, to, to go for promotion and and get it. That was a big fear for me because I I was yeah. really concerned if we made the playoffs, we'd have to have some momentum behind us, and that momentum often carries you through the playoffs and, and you win it. And yeah, I, I just <laughs> Yeah, I just didn't want us to um, end up getting promoted this season because the club isn't ready for it. And I think it would have damaged us, if I'm being honest. Uh, So I'm quite happy with where things are going at the moment, even though we've not won for three games. I I mean, I was quite. The the player that pressed us a lot in that game as well was the lad making his debut. Was it Adiko, I think? Made his debut. He was yeah. fantastic. Like, I, like I, had to look, I thought, oh, he must be a young lad on loan from a Premier League club or something, or you know, he, he maybe had a loan spell somewhere before. So I was like, couldn't believe, like he's literally making his debut for you, and he, and he looks so comfortable in the game. And but I know that point about Matt Smith makes total sense to me because we had exactly the same problem with Callum Guy. You know, losing him is just basically our form's gone off a cliff as a result of that. But uh, there you go, Sean Maloney, your manager. Um, How's he getting on? Uh, obviously, a, a bit of a club legend as a player. Um, had to take over in quite difficult circumstances, so but it seems to be doing a, a steady job. Is it fair to say, with you know, a more challenging budget than most Wigan managers have had in in recent years? Yeah, he's doing for, for myself. He's doing a brilliant job. He's, he's delivering exactly what he said. He said start of the season, there'll be up and downs. You know, we'll, we'll go on good runs. We'll we'll lose games. Promote on Saturday. We had seven academy graduates in the starting eleven. Oh, seven come through this season from the academy. So this is you know what he's dealing with. Uh, he's losing experienced players due to injury. We've had a bout of illness going through the camp as well. So he's losing players like that. He's, he's trying to play proper football on the deck, you know, uh, passing football. He wants us to be counter-attacking very fast and he's brought in a couple of speedy players. And His, his vision uh, for the club is, is just what you want. You want to see... Lads coming through the academy, local lads making the first team. Like you're saying about Baba Radiko, he's been with us since he was 14. You want lots to see players like him representing the town as much as the club, you know, and it gives you that pride in it. So for me, uh, Maloney is is doing a fabulous job, an absolute fabulous job. Now, I've I've seen some rumblings from Carlisle fans on uh, the old internet about Paul Simpson, <laughs> and there's been rumblings about Sean Maloney as well. And I just do not understand what they expect mm-hmm. him to do. Um, you know, we've been on, we've had uh, a, a brilliant start to the season. We've had a mid a bit of a dip, and then you know we we came back very strongly, one defeat in fifteen, and we've just had a little bit of a dip again, and, and there's one or two comments about him not getting the best out of this squad, and you know, and you think about it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like you said, Adiko made his debut this season. Sam Titlow, a goalkeeper who's now in the England under twenty one squad, made his debut. Charlie Hughes, twenty year old, we've got a a twenty year old centre back on loan from Bayern Munich, never played senior mm. football before. He, you know, these are the lads that he's dealing with. Young kids, uh, Scotty Smith, who's come through the academy, Wigan Bourne, fan of the club, playing in midfield for us. You know, these are exactly what we want to see, and this is what he's doing. And if I'd like to know who they would, who they bring, you know, want to bring in anyway to to manage the squad better than what Sean Maloney does. And I, you spoke to me about Paul Simpson knowing Carlisle. He's yeah. he, he knows the club inside. Exactly the same with Sean Maloney. He's got a passion for the club. 
Uh, he, he's been offered jobs. He could have left us. He stayed with us. He weren't getting paid any wages. You know, you've got to you've got to reward this sort of loyalty yeah. in your manager. Yeah. Um, you know, you get rid of him. Who comes in? We did this with Liam Richardson. We got Colo Toure. You know, the, the worst appointment in the history of football. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, don't don't wish for change because you just might get it, and that's the yeah. problem. Yeah, exactly. Um, got actually about Charlie Wake. Um, is he coming back to Carlisle? Because that's the strong room that's going around, isn't it? I think we've, uh, I've seen it on your forum. Of our fans have been talking about it a lot, and he's. He's struggled to get back in the team, as you mentioned. You know, he got suspended and couldn't get back in. Um, I think he's out of contract in the summer as well. I know he's on he's on a big wage, isn't he? So, what, what's what's the feeling about Charlie? Because you know he was fantastic for us in his two or three seasons we had him. Um, obviously, he was poached by Bradford because we had a sell on clause, which so not much we could have done. But um, yeah, obviously that the heart attack a couple of years ago is, is something that you know maybe will still concern a few people, but. You know, basically, what's happening with him at the moment? Uh, well, we're not 100% sure. He started the season off. Last season was his mm. first season back after the cardiac yeah. arrest. And you could tell he was playing with a lot of caution in his play. But, uh, yeah. he, there was a great column on, on the internet where he's spoken to some journalists and he's talking about the psychological effects of wearing a, a defib under his skin and protecting mm. it and how it affected his play. This season, he's had a different mindset. He started off absolutely fabulous. So he scored mm. six goals in his first five games. Uh, he, he looked the part. Um, he's, he's not absolutely 100% suited to the system we played, but he was still getting into fab, fabulous positions and he was being fed and he was putting the ball in the back of the net. And then uh, he, he got sent off against Portsmouth, which is, it, was a, it wasn't a... It's one of those red cards that was probably... Uh, an orange. It weren't quite a yellow. It weren't quite a red. If you know what I mean. So it was. It, it was a late challenge, but not a nasty challenge. But he ended up getting a three match suspension, and he was only seen for three matches. And in that time, uh, Stephen Humphries came to the forefront and bagged a few goals. And, and we looked a different, uh, a different animal mm. up front. Uh, so. He, he did struggle. He, he weren't even making the squad. Now, there was all sorts of talk behind the scenes about things going on behind the scenes. And it, to be honest, I don't pay much attention to them because a lot of them is made up by people who have nothing better to do, aren't they? You know, like he's yeah. falling out on the lawn or he's, he's, he's not bothered, he doesn't want to be at the club, all these sorts of stuff. And nobody knows what's really going nah. on. Uh, Maloney came out and said he's had an, an uh, problem, so that's why he's not been in the squad. So he's had a, an injury to his hip. Uh, he came back in against Port Vale uh, and scored a goal there, so that was a good sign. He didn't play against Derby on Boxing Day because his life his wife's gone into labour, ah, so well, that's yeah. why he was <laughs> squad. So again, all sorts of rumours flying around. Uh, would he do a job for Carlisle? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Could we do without you know getting him off the wage bill? Absolutely, 100%, because he's, he's on, I think he's our top player now. Uh, and we could probably bring in two or three players for his, his wage, mm. you know. So, and we need a little bit of uh, depth and strength, uh, strength in depth, sorry, <laughs> in, in our squad at the moment, you know, for all the injuries and suspensions that are going to be coming up as we, we enter into the final stages. So, uh, it's been brilliant. I mean, he, he promised so much in his little spells. He, he, he didn't quite deliver, but the reason he didn't deliver is because of that incident that happened on the training pitch back in yeah. October. 
2022, you know, so, or 2021, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a while ago, isn't it, now, when you think about it, you know, two years, it's passing since. Quite incredible. Um, you've got an FA Cup game coming up, though, haven't you? Not long after you play us. Um, is that a welcome distraction or an unwanted distraction, Manchester United at home? Uh, well, it's welcoming the fact that we've got to the third round of the FA Cup. Uh, we've drawn a big club at home. Absolutely mm. delighted with that. The unwelcome part about it, it's a quarter past eight kickoff on a Monday night on TV. And to make some money out, out the side, the club have decided to give Manchester United the East stand, which is our largest stand and runs the length of the pitch. So, in essence, making it an home tie for them. And I think they've given Sporting advantage away to Manchester United because they're in terrible form at the moment, you know. Yeah. Um, we played City back in 20, 2017. Um, they they were go, battling on four fronts and they were the best team in Europe. Uh, and we were a League One side and beat them 1 0. But we didn't yeah. give City that stand. You know, it was, and the atmosphere that night was electric. I'd have thought it would have made more sense to give them a game and, if possible, get back to Old Trafford. They'd have made even more money out of the tie then or, yeah. or progress through to the fourth round. But. I don't know. I mean, we could still beat them because it's a game yeah. of football between two sides of 11 men. You know, so you never know. I mean, you know, if you think, if you're thinking about it logically, they're a Premier League side and they're still in the top half of the Premier League and they're full of internationals and we're a League One side in a poor run of form at the moment. And we haven't it, we haven't had a shot on target in our last two home games. <laughs> so that tells you <laughs> everything you need to know about us. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm 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 delighted we got the the draw, but not delighted the way that it's been handled by the club. And I, I sit in the East Stand, and why I have to give me give yeah, me that in red? You know, he's probably yeah. never been to Old Trafford. They watch it in, in, in the pubs on a Saturday. Well, they don't play Saturdays anymore in the Premier League, no. do they? <laughs> uh, no, certainly not. Um, Right, one more question before we wrap up. Um, just ask you, in terms of this season, what, what's your, your hopes then, basically? Is it basically get yourselves up to mid-table, away from trouble, and and get a bit more experience into those young players, ready for a, a go at it next season, potentially? Yeah, that's just spot on there. And I throw in, <laughs> uh, into the mix uh, the, as it's now called, the Bristol Street Motors Trophy. We're still in that. <laughs> We've got Doncaster away the next round. Now, a lot of people decry that, but... In a season like this, where you, you, you know, I think we're, we're not going to get relegated. I can't see mm. us. You know, we're only four points at, at the bottom three. Uh, the bottom three, but yeah. we've got uh, really big players for us coming back. We've got really big players coming back from injury, and when they were back in the side, our, our results will pick up. I, I mm. know they will. I know they will. We're not going to challenge for for promotion or the playoffs. We're just not because. We'll get some injuries and we'll get some more suspensions, and it'll falter us a little bit. So this season is all about, uh, like you said, blooding the young lads, uh, keeping hold of them in the summer as well. Because we've already we've got two players already linked with Premier League moves, and mm. we think they might be going in January and loan back to us, which is going to be going to hit us uh, playing wise. But so that's that's what I want, and I just love that distraction of of going down to Wembley. In a competition we've already won twice, you know what I mean? So uh, we've got a very winnable game away at Doncaster. Um, and then we're into the last, I think we're in the, into the last four in the northern section then, and anything can happen. 
Wembley, here we come. I promise, right, we, we never talk about that competition on our pod now. It, it, it's an it's a unwritten rule, basically. I won't cut this bit out, to be fair, Daniel. But, um, but yeah, we, we, we basically, we very much boycott the competition because of the whole B-team thing. But um, you're right. I mean, well, if you, I, I think it's one of these things. Like, I think some of our fans boycott it when the B-teams are in. And once they're all out, they, they take an interest in it. Because like, right, fine, it, it's okay then. But but like you, we've won it twice. And it, it's weird. Yeah, like, yeah. We won it twice. And we've had we've got we've been in the final six times in total. And yet, yeah, I don't think we've... I think we got beyond the group stage once since it was changed. <laughs> or maybe twice. So our, our, we had our lowest ever attendance uh, this season against Harrogate in the competition. So... Tells you what our fans think in recent seasons, but yeah. Well, our attendances have been like around about the two or three thousand mark, which yeah. for the this competition is all right. Uh, we played Stockport in the last round, and they brought I think they brought about twelve hundred with them. Yeah. Um, we we tend to put out a really strong side, and just for for your benefit, uh, we played Leicester B team and beat them seven one. So we rubbed the noses in it, you know what I mean. So it, you know. We, I agree with that. They they shouldn't get it. Those yeah. uh, well, it's, beat teams. It's, it's the whole idea. Oh, it's going to help young English talent coming through. Well, not being funny, but we got beat by Man United's uh, under twenty ones in it last season, and Alessandro Garnacho scored in that game. Well, he's not an English yeah. talent, is he? He's Argentinian. So you know, when, when, I, I, as I was, you always say in our pod. I don't actually care about helping Premier League talent come through. No. I couldn't care less. Yeah, I'd no. I'd rather the likes of Gabe Breeze and Nets for us or Taylor Charters who's come through for us or for you guys, you know, Adiko and, and, and players like that coming through. That's what you want to see develop, don't you? Your club. You don't really I don't care about some Man United youngster getting a bit of experience. No. If they want but don't don't stockpile them essentially. But that's that's yeah. a rant for another day, I think it's fair to say. Um <laughs> Barry, you've been very generous with your time, so let's have a prediction for this game. I think when I did it on yours, I'm not going to spoil what the prediction is coming up. I was not overly confident, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what your views are now I've given you that uh, prediction I did before. Yeah, uh, well, I, I have a feeling that um, we're going to get back to winning ways. Not because we're playing Carlisle, I just think uh, we've not we've we've lost the last three and mm. we've not won in, uh, in four. So we're not that... The squad's too good to, to go on like a, a six or seven game without winning run. So I think we're, we're going to turn it around on, on uh, Friday evening. Um, the pressure will be on for us to perform. There's one or two signs that some of our missing players may be coming back. So I'm going to go for we're going to go for a 2-0 home win. Barry, thanks very much for your time and all the best for the rest of the season after Friday night's game. <laughs> Cheers, Lee. It's been an absolute pleasure. And let's hope we speak next season and still in League One, both of us. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers, Lee. Hi, it's uh, Tom Piatic the second, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. And yes, we're back for part three of the Brunton Bugle, uh, looking ahead to the games against Wigan Athletic and Port Vale. Um, yeah, thanks once again to Barry from the uh, Progress with Unity uh, podcast. Really good chat with him. And yeah, I asked him after, afterwards, I said, oh, do you fancy a, do you fancy going for a quick pint before the game? I'll buy you a pint and say thank you, because I, I do... I don't think I've only met maybe one of a podcast where I've been able to actually meet them and buy them a pint and say thanks. He said, oh, I would do, but uh, I'm actually in our, uh, like one of the lounge or whatever at the ground because Roberto Martin is at the game. And uh, I'm, he, I'm I'm interviewing before the match and he's a he's a hero of mine. So I was like, oh, fair enough. You know, that that, that that takes much more precedence over coming for a pint. It's a reasonable day, excuse. 
It is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I was offered the chance to go and interview Dean Walling, for instance, <laughs> game, I'd probably do that instead, but slightly different, you know, but there you go. Um, well, yeah, let's look at these games then. Adam. Um, first up, Tuesday night, Wigan Athletic. What was it? 4,030 tickets, was it sold I think it's 4,010. The and then there's 4, another 10, yes. however many available uh, on the day. 500, I think it is on the day, yeah. I mean, going on a Friday night over Christmas, only one train back afterwards. And pff, you're lucky if that's going to be running based on past experience. Yeah. Bottom, bottom of the league, over 4,000 fans traveling, what? 120 odd miles 100 100 miles or so down fantastic isn't it yeah i mean i don't think we really get enough plaudits because because every journey is far for us but that shouldn't take away from from what we've we've done and the you know the crowds will be taken on uh on friday night it's just yeah it's it's stuff that you couldn't imagine a couple of years ago like we, this no. would have never. We were getting more than we got. I don't know how big the attendance was at that Swindon game before Simo came in, but I feel was it less than four thousand. I feel it's three and a half. I'm going to look yeah. it up while we're talking here. But yeah, um, but yeah, it, it's the transformation that's gone in, in this club. Even though we're in such a, a dire state when it comes to league position, is it's something to hold on to as a fan base, and it's something we should really relish because it's not something that can be guaranteed for for a long time. Um, so we should really live in this moment and appreciate what we're doing as a fan base and as a club. Yeah, I'm just looking up it. I've managed to find the transfer market uh, page. It doesn't have the attendance on it, annoyingly. But uh, Gabe Breeze was on the bench that day. <laughs> I didn't even realise it. I, I, I would have presumed that he'd, um, you know, he hadn't actually uh, made it to the sort of first team by then. Let, let's have a look here. 4,345 was the attendance that day. <sighs> So we still could. Well, that's obviously including the away fans. Yeah. So yeah. likelihood is uh, that we'd we've surpassed that. And looking at it, only of the players who started that or started or on the bench in that game, uh, there's only one: Whelan, um, Guy, Mellish, Gibson, and Armour and Breeze left. Of those in there, so there's about four or five or six maybe. So. Yeah, it's quite quite remarkable, isn't it, really, the, the, the turnaround. Um, yeah, let's get to the weekend game then. Um, as you mentioned there before, Adam, you, you're a little bit surprised that they haven't managed to go up the table. Obviously, Barry's mentioned there the fact that they've had a few players injured, particularly, I think, looking back to that game in August, Matt Smith, the lad from Arsenal, looked a fantastic player, didn't he? And yeah. apparently he got injured not long after that and hasn't actually come back yet. Yeah. Be a big effect on them. Yeah, he's just... I, I just don't understand how they're not better because they just looked so good in that. I know it was just the first half, mm. but even still, it wasn't like we dominated the second half. Um, yeah, it's just, a, it's it's odd that the amount of quality that's in their squad. I mean, their wingers were just ferocious. I mean, the lad mm. who they brought on at the end, I can't remember his name, but he's got, um, he's Humphrey's tattooed. Trip. Yeah, Humphrey. He was unbelievable. And he was off the bench for them. And Asgard, who got injured, uh, I think he's back. He must be back now because I think it was only. I think he's just, only uh, just. Is it only I think just? He's only just come back fairly recently. Yeah, it just baffles me that they've just they just don't seem to be. Like, their record either way isn't amazing. Like they've got they've got thirty two goals conceded twenty nine. I think probably conceding is where they've 
been uh, in the most trouble. Uh, like lost two 0 to Reading, one uh, 0 to Derby, and three two to Port Vale in the last three. Yeah. So they're not exactly in much better form than we are, but at least they've got that quality to call on if needs be. Yeah, absolutely. When you look, when you look through results wise recently, it's, it's not particularly great for the. I mean, we're looking at they're coming off the back of three defeats in a row, as you say. Um, but actually, prior to that, if you look, they'd only lost one of the last fifteen, I think. You know that was a three-two defeat against Charlton, and we we saw a, a pretty decent side. Um, beyond that, they've actually got some fairly decent. I mean, they beat Peterborough two-one at home, and Peterborough was we saw a very good side this season. And, mm. and as yeah, the league just, table proves, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of, I think for them, it's a case of they're working with a fairly young squad, from what I can see. There's some real quality in there, but there's also a lot of young players in there. They've got a transfer in bag, so they can't really improve on it anyway. Mm. It, it sounds like there's a bit of a sort of mix in the Wigan support on Sean Malone in terms of some, because he's a club legend, they want to give him time and they respect the fact that he's actually doing a quite difficult job. Mm-hmm. But there's others who kind of feel like he should be doing a lot better. And I, I wouldn't say it's a quite comparable to Simo in that sense. There's a, there's a few sort of murmurings from a few people now who are saying like, you know, any other manager would be in deep trouble right now, but he... The fact is, Simo is not any other manager. He's yeah. a, you know, well, he's also, a legend. He's a Carla fan, and you know, it's just, it's different to all the people who are sort of having those thoughts about Simo as to is he potentially the right person? And you know, if it was another manager, like I said, he would probably be already gone, if not close to it. Like that's just just so naive. One because of what he's done, but also. We should know by now that the League One and League Two manager market is one that is rarely successful when you're chopping and changing managers. Like it's hard yeah. to find a manager who's going to be successful with you for a long time yeah. because either well, either they're not good enough or they're good and then they get poached by a team who's at a higher league than you. So it's just ignorant thinking that is. It's the bigger picture people need to look at for me. They need to take a look at where the club currently is, how far we've come in the last two years. And also where we're, we're heading towards and what we wanted, just for the sake of thinking, I don't think there's any chance he will get sacked. But let's say like we're on a slightly poorer run again for the next few games, and then suddenly we they panic the politics and said, right, we're going to get rid of him. We're going to get someone in. Once if that doesn't work, once that person comes in, we get relegated anyway. Yeah, exactly. And we're starting of it's don't get too overexcited about that. I, I feel like give him time. He's got the, you know we know he's going to be bringing some great plays in in, in January. We've already seen one of them arrive, so hopefully a couple more should be announced in the next few days. I, I just think people need, need to calm down a little bit. To be fair, I think it's a very, very small majority. Like the mass majority of fans understand mm. understand there's there's a bit of time to wait and there'll be there'll be players coming. But well, it's the loud yeah. minority. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It always is. Um well let's, let's talk about the Wigan squad then. Uh, you mentioned the fact that it's pack of quality. Who are some of the players you you pick out as standout men for Wigan? Well, one we know very well is uh, Mr. Charlie Wyke, who Ooh. obviously scored. Rumoured for a return. Uh, <laughs> yeah, people, yeah. But... I, when, the, I, when those things were going around, when uh, obviously there was the big hint as to mm-hmm. um, Armstrong joining, and the some people were saying about Wyke at the same time, which I just thought that's just not going to happen. Like I know we're going to in a no. the, as a club aren't in a brilliant state, but why would they do that? There's just no point. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, the goal we scored against uh, us when we played them at home was just a, a, a brilliant finish. 
just yeah. like so real number just quality. so yeah exactly just so good just effortless to be able to lift it over the keeper like that um so he's one to definitely definitely watch he's Other not one. been playing as much from though has he really he's been in and out of the team he's had, he's had a suspension for a red card and then he's struggled with a little hip injury i know he's um he missed his gave birth actually the other day which is yeah. why he missed i think the last game so i imagine he'd probably be back for this one and uh, yeah. we'll have the inevitable inevitable baby celebration if he scores against <laughs> us don't we yeah so. yeah but like like you said looking through the thing actually one thing uh one player that i forget plays for them is is jamie carragher's son james mm. who is contracted yeah. to them but i don't actually think plays that much but they've got a very young team like likes of I don't know if Charlie Hughes actually plays much for them. They're number six, but I'm pretty sure he's a, oh, he's 20 now. But I think when we played them, he was a teenager. Uh, I think he was 19 when we played against them, and he's played yeah 21 games from this season. So yeah. it just sort of shows the um, the obvious quality that they have to work with. But yeah. I think at this level, especially when you have a young squad, it can really bite you at times because they just don't have that game management ability to be able to yeah. get you through times when you aren't playing to your best of your ability? I mean, one of the ones that stands out for me, it's a name that most fans probably won't have heard of until they played us this season, was uh, Baba Adiko, who, like, he was brilliant in that, that game at Brennan Park. He, he looked like a player been playing for years and years, and that was his debut in midfield. Yeah, oh no, though. I do remember, actually, yeah, I remember that. I remember really talking about it with my friends, because they, uh, I can't remember which of them said, but someone said, this is debut, by the way. I was like, "You what?" It just looked like he'd been playing with them for Ooh. for a couple of years. Like how guy looks with Carlo, he just sort of, yeah, he just looks like he fits right in. So, yeah. But again, he's twenty, so it's yeah. a a marker as yeah. to the the age of the squad. I'm not sure exactly think, what the average age is. I'll have a look now. I think I think they had about seven or eight um, academy products in their team for the game against uh, Derby the other day. I think it was so. It mm-hmm. just, quite impressive really when you think about it and you mentioned Hughes there and I think the goalkeeper Sam Tickle they're both being linked with big moves in January potentially with loans back to to Wigan for the rest of the season so mm. it, it, you know it, it shows in that sense that you know that they've got some real quality coming through yeah average age is 23.8 years old I'm not sure that is in comparison to Carlisle but I'll just quickly check that usually comes up on transfer marks where I yeah. usually get that one so uh, Carlisle's is be a lot older. Twenty four point seven, so not too much older. No. no, actually, you're right there. To be fair, but that's not as not as uh, much as I thought. I'm looking here. The average age in the in the division now, Peter United, twenty two point five. That's quite impressive, to be fair. <laughs> a lot of that uh, transfer structure is about you know buying from the national league and then selling up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. True. So true. that doesn't surprise Steve, me too much. Stevenage, twenty six point five. I thought they'd be older. To second, be honest, se- second oldest uh, behind Derby County at twenty seven point five. That's not a surprise. Pre- pretty old, isn't it? There you go. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know what to make of this one because they, they are struggling a bit for form. But you, like I said, when you look at the squad, there's a lot of quality in there still, though, and I still still do worry that potentially it's going to be a, a, a pretty tough game for us. The the fear I have is that either I think it could go one of two ways. I don't think it'll be um I don't think we'll be able to go there and dominate because we just don't have the quality to do that against anyone, let alone Wigan. Mm-hmm. Um but one thing I think could happen is because they've been down on form and it's just sort of the games between I mean, even just the days between Christmas and New Year for just anyone, it's just sort of a bit of a, a a lull period it's just sort of like what what do we really do 
in this. But so I'm hoping that because we've got four thousand fans backing us, and I'm pretty sure that Wigan won't be selling out their stadium or getting close to it, yeah. that we'll be able to provide a bit of energy for the for the team, and that Wigan might not be too up for it. But it could work the other way, and that they've lost the last three, and they're like, right, we need to snap out of this now, and they blitz us. Yeah. So team selection for this one, uh, what are you going for? Are you making any, any changes from the gate team that started against uh, Fleetwood? The the problem is it, it's sort of like what happened earlier in the season. I think it must have been earlier in the season where Simo was sort of in a position of like, well, I'd like to make changes to the team, but from what I've seen from the people who've come on, they've not shown me enough to uh, like when we were playing the the friendlies and the Papa John's games, where the the players who were playing those games weren't showing enough to be able to break into the first eleven. So I don't think I would make any changes. The only one I'd maybe make, and this might be a bit of a risk, is you could argue to take out Moxon for McGeoch. I don't think McGeoch's mm-hmm. been particularly good, but I just think Mox is just that role's not really suited to him. Like playing a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. and I don't think any of the other midfielders other than McGeoch can adapt to that role too well. So I wouldn't be annoyed if that change happened. I think, based off of recent performances, even though Gibson's probably been the most promising player throughout the season, I don't think he deserves to start. But did, did Maguire show enough? I'd hope that he sticks with the same 11 because I don't think yeah. it was a, a bad enough performance to justify people coming. Uh, coming out of the squad. No, I, I, I tend to agree, but I, I would probably be tempted to put Gibson in for Maguire just to give us a bit more of a direct option in terms of getting balls into the box and, and shots from distance as well. Because I think he, he Gibson tends to thrive off a big crowd as well. We saw it. True, yeah. really perform that day. Mm-hmm. So I, I do wonder if it's one way maybe I'd, I'd, I'd almost say to him, look, you haven't earned this, but go out and show me that you you, you should have been starting against Fleetwood. Yeah. Almost. And it, maybe give him maybe 45 little... and then... If he's not, yeah, I, yeah that that makes sense. Because realistically, Charles is not going to play the full ninety because you know he's just coming back from an injury. He's probably mm-hmm. going to be subbed again around about the 60, 70 minute mark. I stick with Edmondson up front though. I think I think his running was really good, and uh, there's a risk with Joe Garner against his former clubs, isn't there? That, that's that's your slight yeah, concern. I, that, I, I don't want to and stuff. But. I don't want to see Joe Garner starting again for for Carl. Ideally, to be honest, for the rest of the season, because after the next mm. couple of games, where I think Edmondson deserves to start, even though he's not found the back of the net, but he's he's offered something a bit different that we haven't really seen in terms yeah. of a physical presence. Um, so yeah, ideally, I don't want Garner starting for the rest of the season because obviously we'll be bringing in. Uh, Armstrong and Coyote be back. Yeah, absolutely. Right, uh, predictions for this one, what are you going to go for? I, I'll i go with... I'm going to go with another 1-1, because it seems like we love those at the moment. Um, and I think... I think Ryan Edmondson will get his first goal of the season. I, I just see a... a second? A, second, sorry. I, was, I said that... I said he's going to get his first goal of the season and then I was about to say, and I think it'll be like the one he scored against um, Northampton. Um, you remember, oh, that was his first goal. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think it'll be like that. Just another corner where, because I think the corners have been better. They weren't amazing against Fleetwood, but Robinson, I think his delivery has been pretty decent since he's been put onto them. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll go 1-1 with an Edmondson header. I'm going to go 1-1 as well. Uh, and I'm going to go Big John. 
to score the goal for us. Um, right, uh, coming up next, we've got Dan's prediction for this game. I'm going to go for a Friday Night Lights special two-all draw. Goals from Moxon and Edmondson for us. And finally, here's what Mike uh, had to say uh, about this game. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win with goals from Moxon and Mellish. Yep, cheers lads for your predictions for this one. Right, let's have a quick look at the Port Vale game then we don't need to talk about it in terms of team selection for that because obviously don't know what's going to happen in the Wigan game. But uh, this one, Port Vale are an interesting club, aren't they? Because they, they were flying up near the top when they beat us, weren't they? And actually, when you look at it now, they're not that far ahead of us, really, in terms of that. Or nine points, in phase. It seems a long way at the moment. But, yeah. you know, they haven't really managed to pull themselves away. And actually, recent form, they've had a couple of wins, but a couple of defeats in there as well and a, and a draw. I thought it was going to be ugly for them on Boxing Day because I saw they were 3-0 down. Luckily, Barnsley were in my accumulator, which didn't come in, but they were 3-0 down to Barnsley pretty quickly. And obviously, Barnsley beat them 7-0 on the opening day. Um, so they managed to avoid a, an absolute battering in that game. It was 3-2 yeah. in the end, actually, not 3-1. Yeah, you got two, um, two later goals. But, yeah, I think they're a, they're a, a side who've got... They've got aspects who can change games, which I think is what we don't have much of. I think mm-hmm. Connor Ripley, their keeper, who's obviously at Morecambe last year, has just been a brilliant signing for them because he's a bit like... Yeah. Um, He's almost sort of like what Mark Howard, not Mark Howard, Mark Howarth was to uh, to us when he came in. He's just sort of somebody who was going to save us from situations. Hmm. Was it Howarth? Rip, Ripley? So I'm getting, I'm getting Howarth. Howarth. No, it's because there's a player called Chris. Mark Howarth who played for Marine. That's why. Howard, yeah. yeah. And, also, and we've also had a keeper called Chris Howarth, which doesn't help things either. Howard, yeah. But um, Howard, Mark Howard, yes. Um, no, I think that's a pretty fair comparison. I think Ripley's one of those players who's always been a very good player at League One level in terms of goalkeeper. He's, I've always liked him. He played for Middlesbrough in a pre-season friendly against us when I was working there in about 2010, 2011. Um, and he was brilliant that day. I think we won 1-0 from a James Barrett, like brilliant goal from about 25 yards. But like he was unbelievable. Like He was pulling saves out all over the place. And I was thought, oh, if we need a keeper on loan, he's someone we should look at. And every time he's been available, since I've been like, oh, maybe we should take a look at him. And it's never quite fallen by the looks of things. And he maybe would have been a good one for us to sign in the summer to give competition yeah. to, to um, Holy, but it just didn't work out. But yeah, you're right. It, it, it's a decent starting base, isn't it, for them in terms of uh, having him in nets. Um, I mean, you look at defence. They've signed Jesse Deborah, haven't they, from um, Halifax? Yeah, who's one of He's one touted around all summer. I think we were linked with him a few times. Right? Yeah. He's had a few bad injuries, hasn't he? I think that's one of the reasons why he locked up. Yeah. Oh, well, and obviously they've got um, Jason Lowe, who was in the building and then out of the building at Brunton Park. I think that it's pretty well known that's who it was. Yeah, it is. And you kind of look at it and think to yourself, oh, could have done with him. <laughs> we could have done with <laughs> we could him. Have could done, have done, we could right have now. done with many players at the moment. But, but he would have been a perfect replacement for Callum Guy yeah. right now, wouldn't he? That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the frustrating thing. Yeah. I also love the fact they've got uh, Oli Arblaster playing for them. What a brilliant name that is. Um, yeah, there's, there's something, it's, it's the sprinklings of quality in there, isn't there? I think attacks one area where you maybe look and think, maybe they're lacking a little bit in, in that area. They obviously re-signed James Wilson, didn't they, after he originally left in the summer? Yeah. Sounds like Ryan Loft's not having the greatest of times there because I've seen a few posts from their fans offering to drive him back to Bristol Road and things <laughs> like that this summer. So yeah, but they've, they've just got people like Wilson who's just got the he's got 
that ability to make something happen or create a chance out of nothing, even if it's once every couple of games, um, whether he scores it or not, it's something that we don't really have at the moment as to someone who can no. just maybe give some bit in terms of a striker. We don't have somebody who can no. get a ball in an awkward position and just somehow manage to get it in the net. Um, but even like Ikpiazu, it's just another physical option. Loft, yeah. even though he might not be good, it's just, again, it's it's another tall striker. Um, and they've got in some all right loanies, like some Mitchell Clark thing is in from Burnley, if I'm right. Or, yeah. maybe, or maybe he's actually signed with them. I think he's signed with them. I mean- Fair, they've got some really good solid players at this level. I mean, in Ethan Chislett from uh, AFC Wimbledon looked quite a good player when we played against him early in the season. Um, you know, I've always liked Tom Conlon, decent player, Connor Grant as well, and and I mean, Alfie Devine as well. Getting him on loan from um, Tottenham was a bit of a yeah. coup, wasn't it? Really, at the time. Yeah, yeah, he played a few first team games for Tottenham. So, I mean, you, on transfer market, he's rated as one million pounds. So, you know, that's a bit different from most of the other players. Um, Recent form wise, they've uh, like I said, they've done okay, haven't they? I think is it fair to say with some of the recent results? Yeah, they're they're sort of what they're probably in the position that their fans probably, if they were being realistic, would have expected them to be in. Just sort yeah. of, not, they're not, they're not going to be involved in a relegation battle, but they're also not going to be challenging. They're not going to be in that sort of top ten where they could potentially. Uh, think about getting into the playoffs so uh, I think they're probably situated where they should be it should be said they've only won two league games since September middle of September and they, and they were, were quite recent last, yeah they were in the last four games <laughs> so yeah they've they, they had a quite a rotten run in terms of league form of wins they they scraped out a few draws in that time as well but you know there's been a few like that opening day defeat against Barnsley, at that point, they must have been dreading the worst, wasn't they? With their 7-0 yeah. on the first day of the season. But well, them and Exeter, done okay. obviously, after, they, uh, after the Barnsley mm-hmm. defeat, were like right at the top of the table. And then, seemingly at the same time, they just seemed to slowly, slowly slip down the table. So, uh, yeah, Port Vale. Again, it's, I always find like New Year's Day and Boxing Day games to be a bit, like they can be a bit flat. Just because the crowd's usually a bit flat, so I think it could be a bit of a a meh game. It, 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 I think it really depends on what happens on the Friday night. That's true. Yeah. So how the crowd feels because you're right. They they really need the players to lift the crowd in in those games, don't they? I yeah. Mean, the Boxing Day, you're absolutely right. I think my classic example is when we beat Oldham six nil on on Boxing Day, and we actually genuinely played really well. Was that, that day the, um, the crowd? The one where Sheridan had a hissy fit after the game, even though we won six 0 which was those those what, times absolutely were absolutely remarkable. Those absolutely times were brilliant. Remarkable. But yeah, so when you look look through it, you're right. It, it, it's one where maybe the crowd's going to have to lift us. But it, it does annoy me when you have these Christmases where you don't have any home games between Christmas and New Year. I hate the fact that you've got two away games and then you don't play your home games on New Year's Day. Mm. I don't think that's right. I think you should have it should be one or the other. Or almost, it'd be better if you did the old flip around where like they do in the um, in the National League where they play each other on opposite days, don't they? They play one plays on yeah. the Boxing Day and one, they play the reserve, reverse game on New Year's Day, I think. So yeah. I sometimes wonder. What do you make of... Because it's one that's thrown out a lot of sometimes where managers, and Simo has said it quite a few times where he's like today that the fans needed to to lift the players. Like, what do you think about that? Because for me, I get it sometimes, but also it shouldn't necessarily be on the fans to, it could maybe be on the fans to sort of get them over the line, 
but to actually encourage a performance out of them, I think can be a bit of a reach. Yeah, I, I agree. Tend to agree with that. What I'd say is that I feel like it depends on the circumstances. When you've got a team that's struggling for confidence like we are, you probably do need the fans to lift you a little bit. Yeah. If you're a team playing with confidence, you shouldn't have to need the fans to lift you. You maybe need it in pop points in the game, but you should be able to start the game strongly. We aren't strong enough for that. Yeah. No, we aren't just aren't a good enough team. To be fair, it was only I remember hearing it a lot near the end of last season where we were struggling, but we were still like a good team. Um yeah. I haven't heard it quite as much this year. I think it's just been a lot of, you know, we're just not good enough, uh, is what's been yeah. coming from Simo. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, so in terms of uh, danger men in their team, I think we saw that De- James Wilson's one of them, isn't he? I think it's fair to say, you know, he's mm-hmm. a player who can, can really have a big impact. I think Gavin Massey's quite a good player. He's not maybe quite a, the same impact with them in uh, over the last few games. I think I'm just looking at his record. He hasn't actually scored this season. That surprised me because he's quite a good player. Um, but yeah, lo- looking down through the squad, I, I think the obvious standout is that I said Alfie Devine in midfield is a very good player, and Chislett going forward as well can can really offer a, a threat for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, it's just it's it's a level of player and another team where we look at them and go, we've just had one of yous. That that'd be nice. Yeah. Just have one of yous. Just pick off one or two players. The kind of thing I want to see it start doing good, picking off some of the best players from the teams around us and the teams in the division below. Yeah, we've obviously done with Harrogate with with. Um, Armstrong, and hopefully we'll have a couple more like that coming up soon as well. Yeah, yeah I'd hope so. Um, okay, let's have uh, some predictions for this one as well then, Adam. Uh, what are you going to go for? I'm going to say this isn't one that we're going to have to lift the players for. I think we get a 2-0 win, and I'm going to go for goals from... <sighs> I'm struggling to pick goal scorers at the moment um, I'll go for I'll go for Jack Armour mm. and I will go with and Jack Robinson Okay, the two Jacks, the Jacks of all trades uh, I'm going to go for a 2-0 win as well uh, I'm going to have goals from Alfie McCallman because I don't think he scored one this season, does he? No And Ryan Edmondson, I'll get the other. And a 2 0 win, a nice clean sheet for Gabe Breeze as well to send him off, off on loan spell. <laughs> before he heads before off to Gates, says, hopefully. Yeah, somewhere like that. Gets a bit of game time and actually could hopefully share what he, you know, we, we hope he'll turn into as a, a good player. Um, okay, prediction from Dan next. And we'll follow up a point on the road at Wigan with a victory over Port Vale. I'm going to go for 2 1, and I'm going to go for Big John Mellish. And Jordan Gibson to get our goals. And finally, to wrap up today's predictions, Mike's prediction for the Port Vale game. I'll go for a one-all draw with Ryan Edmondson scoring. Yeah, cheers, lads, for giving you predictions there. Uh, and that's it for this uh, episode. Uh, we're not going to do X-Files. We're going to do a, a bumper one when we review the next two games uh, later next week. And obviously look ahead to the uh, Exeter game, which is quite an exciting one because we might have a bit of a, a challenge picking the team for that one, might we? That's a game where we absolutely have to be up for it. We have to be yeah. up for it just because we can't not be with so many players coming back into the fold. Yeah, and then the, I mean the week after you got a very tough game against Oxford as well coming up on you. Yeah, so for, followed by a trip to Barnsley, but hopefully we'll have we might have four or five new players in by then with any luck. So yeah. uh, we'll have to see. Some of the other players might be finding themselves in the in the stands watching the games at that point. Um, Adam, thanks very much for giving me your time because it was a, a very much a last minute request this one because we've tried to fill this in before the uh, 
the weekend games. Yeah, it's a, it's um, a congested a congested fixture list, both for the Bugle and Carlisle United. Very much, yes. So uh, we'll, we'll give a little shout out to your YouTube channel because you put a video up uh, analysing uh, Luke Armstrong as well, didn't you, and his, uh, what, his good attributes. Yeah, well, it's not a, it's not a flourishing channel, but it, it's on there. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a sort of breakdown of what he's hopefully going to offer. I think, as you'll see from the, the title of the video, if you want to go over, it's on uh, my YouTube channel. I think it's just named Adam Tiffin, but it's also I'll pin it on my uh, Twitter as well if people want to we'll go over. We'll give it a retweet on there, and yeah, well, that would be very much appreciated. Bump up the uh, engagements a little bit, um, but yeah, just sort of breaking down the. Um, the aspects of what he'll be able to bring to the team, but also how he has changed single-handedly the future of this club. So one for you to get well, into there. F- fingers crossed on that one. Um, Adam, once again, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank thanks you very much. for listening. And most importantly, up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.